0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome. Awesome. Well, happy Easter. I just want to say it one more time and want to say welcome, welcome, welcome to Church for All Nations. Once again, my name is Pastor JF, and this is my first Easter as the new senior pastor here at Church for All Nations. And so I just want to say how honored I am, how honored I am and humbled to partner with every person in this room to see Jesus lifted up, to see people set free in this neighborhood right here, this surrounding community. I am a Tacoma boy, this is my dirt, born and raised, and I love this city more than any other city. All those other ones are good, but there's just something about the two five three area code, and so I am honored, and, and I'm, I'm, we're taking ground. Do you believe that for Jesus? We're taking ground in this community. That's why I'm here. I've I've never felt more called in my entire life than this moment right here. So I'm excited. Quick question: How many of you here like how many of you here like Cadbury bunnies? Like that transition right there? <laughs> How many of you at Easter time you just you can crush a whole thing of peeps? You know those yellow, kind of spongy things? Yeah, some of those. What about those those corn? You know the corn, the candy corn? Oh <laughs> not so much, not so much. Some of you like it, awesome. <laughs> you know what? I love all the aspects of Easter. I really do. It's so much fun. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a and a four-year-old son, and I'm telling you right now, they are out of their minds right now, and they're like, "Dad, you got to go fast. You got to go fast because we gotta, we gotta get out there." So I'm gonna go fast, okay? But what I want you to know is the reason why we're doing this big Easter egg extravaganza isn't necessarily just to entertain our children. Those of you that call Church for All Nations your your home, yes, we're, they're gonna have, a, they're gonna be entertained. But really, it's to love our community. It's to show love to this neighborhood. Do you know that Jesus actually said this? He said, they're going to know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And so this is just one little tiny way of showing love to this community. And so I'm so honored to be a part of that. But how many of you know that Easter isn't about an Easter bunny? It's not about Cadbury bunnies or candy corn or pastels or brunch, Okay. It's about the very fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. He has risen. And that's why we're here today. And I said it earlier, wherever you are on the belief spectrum, whether you're an atheist or you've been following Jesus your whole life or anywhere in between, you are welcome here. And here's, here's what I want you to know. You are welcome to ask questions. Would that be okay this is a safe place where you can ask as many questions as you want because it's sometimes hard to believe certain things how many of you know that believing can be hard at times and sometimes we don't know what truth is but i want you to know that he is the way the truth and the life other stuff can fade away i remember when i was a little kid uh, i had a bunch of older cousins and I remember one of my cousins, he was kind of mean at times. I must have been six years old. I remember he came to me and he said, I gotta to talk to you, JF, there's something that you need to know. I said, okay, I kind of looked up to him, you know? And I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, you should know that when you go to sleep at night, if you have to wake up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom, you should know that there's someone called the boogeyman. And I said, what's that? That sounds, well, you don't want to mess with him. But he actually lives underneath your bed. And I said, that's not good, you know? And he said, so so it's totally okay, though. He'll never come out. But every time you have to get up to go to the bathroom or something, what you need to do is jump off your bed about three feet away from the bed so that he doesn't grab your ankles. And I was like, are you serious? Yes, you got to, so, so you got to jump off of your bed so he doesn't grab your ankles. I said, okay. So for like, man, I don't know, 15 years, <laughs> I would jump off my, how many of you know that there's myths and there's straight lies out there? And from time to time, for whatever reason, We believe the lies. There's no boogeyman, there's no spooky whatever. But man, I believed it for whatever reason, probably because I looked up to my older cousin. Why do you say that, JF? Because I know that there's somebody in this place that you've walked in here for whatever reason. Maybe this is the one time of year where you come to church and for that reason, Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, all right? But there's somebody in this place that needs to hear this, and that is you've walked in here and you believe a lie about God. For whatever reason, you've accepted lies told about God that aren't even true. And I don't know how that lie was given to you. Maybe you had a bad church experience when you were a kid, or someone said something about God that just wasn't true. And so for all these years, you've walked around saying things and knowing things about God that that you believe that just aren't true. They're myths. And so just for the next couple of minutes here, I won't go long. I I just want to I want to dispel some of these myths. Remember that that TV show, Mythbusters? Remember that? I I want to play a little Mythbusters just for a couple of minutes here and, and, and hopefully change your mind as to who God really is. Three myths, three lies that people from time to time believe about God. If you're taking notes, write this down. And that is, the lie that Jesus came to make bad people good. It's a lie. The lie that Jesus came to make bad people good. I mentioned I grew up in this town, and my grandfather, uh, who was my hero, pastored in this town for 45 years. And he was my hero, Dr. Fulton Buntane. And my grandfather... Uh, was old school. I don't know how else to say it, all right? And the church that I grew up in uh, was real traditional at the time. Suit and tie and bless God, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I can remember that, you know, the church is kind of laid out a little bit like this, but there's a balcony too, right, where people sit upstairs and the whole thing. And my grandfather was kind of like my second dad. He was, he, he kind of helped raise me. And so he disciplined me too. And, and stop that! cut that out. Hey, I saw that. What do you think you're doing over there? Oh, all that kind of stuff, you know, that dads and grandpas do. So he was always doing that. And the one thing that you could not do is misbehave during church. You, you want you want your life to end? <laughs> Start screwing around in church, okay? My grandfather was not having that, you know? And, and, and I can remember, you know, back in those days, uh, uh, there's a big, big, huge choir and the choir would start singing a song and all the pastors at the church would come out of the side and they'd file across in suits and ties and they'd, they'd, they'd come and they'd come across and they all like 30 dudes would be sitting in these like king chairs on the stage. It was just, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just old, it's old school, you know? So they're all up there, you know? And my grandfather, he was hilarious. He, he, would, he would always be the last one out and so they're all kind of coming like this, you know, and, and he'd come out. But my grandfather, he, he'd come out like this. He, he'd walk across the stage and he'd start, he, he, he had this look on his face. He'd come walking across like this and sometimes he'd even do this, you know. And I knew what he was doing. You know what he's doing? He was looking for me. <laughs> he, he was looking for me, man. And I, fe- I felt his eyes and I was just like sitting there like, Oh, he's gonna kill me with his eyes, you know. Oh, you know, and he'd scan. It. Oh, then he would lock in on me, and he'd always do. He got, <laughs> you know, one of those things that kind of. Okay, just kind of like, like, I see you, son, you know, all the time. And, and one of the rules was you, you couldn't sit in the balcony because the balconies were all the sinners sit, you know? And so I, he you know, never could sit, you know, all these funny things. But I, it was hilarious because he'd lock in on me and, and he was pretty much saying, hey, son, you better be good or when we get home, I'll help you be good, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Just the way I was raised, old school. I don't know. Maybe there's someone in this room today that you feel like God sees you in that light, <laughs> where He looks down and He sees you. Oh, where is Jenny at? And she, he's oh, there she is. And 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 he, and you know He's mad and He's locked in on you and He's gonna swat you and backhand you. And you've walked in here and you're so ashamed for whatever reason, you walked in here and you're carrying all kinds of brokenness and unforgiveness and bitterness and you think God's mad at you and you can't be good enough, you can't try hard enough because he's just so mad. I want you to know it is a lie. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why he came. He came to make the dead come back to life, every place inside of you that is dead, he wants to make alive again. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies, meaning your dying bodies, by his same Spirit living within you. There's a story. In scripture, about a man who understood this power. He had a, a, an experience like this. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or it'll just be right there up on the screens. I'm gonna read it and then we'll unpack it just a little bit and then we'll get to that Easter egg hunt. Okay, here we go. It says this When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to, to the other side of the lake, with him, Scripture says that on their way, a woman, maybe you remember this woman, the woman with an issue of blood, on the way to Jairus's home, this woman, she presses through the crowd, and she simply touches Jesus. And in that moment, she was healed. Healed, completely healed, by simply touching Jesus. So not only does this woman distract them and delay them from getting to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, this woman is healed herself. Let's pick up where I left off. Verse 33, "'Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, "'came and fell at his feet, "'and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. "'He said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has healed you. "'Go in peace and be freed from your suffering.'" While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. What? Can you imagine how Jairus must have felt in this moment? This woman delays Jesus from getting to his house to heal his daughter, and consequently, his daughter dies. I cannot help but wonder if Jairus in that moment struggled with this second lie, and that is that Jesus' power is only for certain people. His power is only for certain people. Not everybody, just special, extraordinary people. There's this misconception There's this misconception out there that that these characters that we read about in Scripture are super extraordinary. That they're the ones, because of all of these whatever reasons, they're the ones who get the power. And because of who we are, we're completely disqualified. The truth of the matter is, Jesus' power is for everyone that does backflips and pays penance. It's for everyone that say it. That believes, that simply believes, and John, and John, chapter eleven, verse twenty-five. Jesus makes says these, his one of his one of his most famous statements. He said, "I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And this new life is not just new life; it actually." Is connected to this resurrection power. You get power when you say yes to Him. When you simply believe in Him, you say no way, Pastor. There's, you, you have no, you you don't know what I come from. I've got a past. In fact, I'm kind of in the middle of some stuff right now that I'm ashamed to even talk about. Oh, really? Okay, well, tell that to the Apostle Paul. Okay. Right. Right. The Apostle Paul, who was a modern day terrorist. That's what his past was. He was an executioner of Jesus' followers. And he has this radical encounter with the Spirit of Christ on the road to Damascus. And he's radically transformed. And God himself selects him to go on to pen, to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So don't tell me that your past is too messed up that your current state is too broken, that God's power doesn't work for you and through you today. It is for everyone who what? Who believes, who believes. And I'm grateful for the apostle Paul because man, I can relate to him at times. You know why? Because the enemy loved harassing him loved getting in between here. You know, the enemy loves to live right between these things right here, your ears, in your mind. If if he can get in your thought life, oh, now, what are you doing at Church for All Nations on Easter? I know where you were on Friday night. I know what you've been up to. You're a fraud. You shouldn't be here. And you start to question If his love and his grace was actually for you when you said yes to him, I want you to know it covers a multitude of sin and his power is for you. And even in the middle of Paul's confliction from time to time, he wrote this down. I wonder if it was even an exercise for him. I wonder while he writes this down, if he's not being harassed by the enemy in the middle of it and just says, you know what? I'm not gonna believe that. I'm going to write these words right here. Look what he writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ." from the dead. His power is for everyone that believes. Here's the third lie as the band comes back. And that is, it's too late for you. Sorry. Missed it. Too messed up. No, no, no. You had a few opportunities three years ago. Gone. Forget it. His love and grace and his resurrection power. Now you missed it. You're too screwed up. You're too broken. It's not for you. It's for the guy sitting next to you. you you're too late. Go back to Mark chapter 5. Jairus has gotten the news that his daughter has died. How, how, by the way, how many of you know his daughter died? And from my estimation, it seemed like L- little, little too late, Jesus. It's too late. She's dead. Lazarus is in the tomb. It's too late, Jesus. How, how many of you know that Jesus is never too late? He's always on time. Your marriage isn't too far gone. Your addiction has not overrun you to the point of death yet. He's not too late, and you're not too late. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just what? When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. You're, you're too late, Jesus. You stopped for the other lady, but you're too late for this kid. He went in and said to them, while all this commotion, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. I find that interesting. Maybe you've had people laugh right in your face. Now, too late for you. You're too much of a mess. There's too much ruin, too much damage, too much death to ever be resurrected back to life in, inside of you. Jesus just has a different message, just who he was. Verse 40, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave there's someone in this room, you got a group of friends in your life and it's time that you said, it's time to go. It's time to leave. They're holding you back from really believing and allowing. So Jesus says, no, sorry, you guys get out of here. Look what he, Look what happens here. He then took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Watch this. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. In the original language, what he called this little girl was actually a term of endearment. In fact, that uh, phrase right there, talitha kum, actually translates to my lamb, my sheep. So so Jesus doesn't just raise this little girl back from the dead. He expresses love in a word picture. So she would feel his love in a more intentional, in a more specific way, that her parents would see the love of who he really was. And he says, my little lamb, don't you love that? My sheep. And someone in this room, you need to hear that today. That's how God sees you as his precious little lamb who all he wants to do is pick you up in his arms. He loves you today the lie that it's too late for you the truth is his salvation and resurrecting power is extended to you right now it's for you i just want to close with this one picture many many of you uh, on monday morning woke up to this right here that beautiful ancient cathedral in paris notre dame built like, I don't know, the 1300s or something like that. This house of worship in, on fire. At one point, the steeple, they had the video of the steeple falling off and showed the people in the streets crying and sobbing. And I remember being here and, and, and some of us had our phones out and we were watching this and we were just like, this is devastating. It was, it was hard seeing that beautiful house of worship on fire. And in that moment on Monday, this is the beginning of the Holy Week. There's a video there. I think the steeple right there. At the beginning of, it was almost like, it was almost ironic, if you will. And I felt like the Holy Spirit nudged me. And he said, you know what, JF? This weekend at Church for All Nations, there's gonna be somebody that's gonna walk through that back door. And that picture of that cathedral on fire is a perfect depiction of how they feel about themselves. On fire, dying, your marriage on fire, your finances, your relationships, your hopes, your dreams on fire. You know what's fascinating to me? That within 48 to 72 hours, Did you know? Many of you do. That philanthropists raised over a billion dollars to rebuild that cathedral. Not just back to the way it was, but something even more extravagant. Why are they doing this? Because these men and women see the value of what that cathedral means to humanity. And before the restoration process even begins, before they even see it, they already have all the money for, ready to go. Why? Because they see the value of what it represents and what it means. How many of you know in this room, maybe you don't, that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven came down to this dirt ball place called earth. He was born in animal waste, in feces. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He loved and he taught, and then he gave his life for the sin of humanity while we were yet sinners. While we were still in our mess, Jesus said, no, 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 no. I see the value in Bill. I see how God made Jenny. I know what she's supposed to be. And whether or not she knows it or not right now, I do. And I am going to give my life for her before she even says, yes, that is the God. That is who we serve today. That's who we're celebrating today. So my friend on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, 2019, now is your moment. Now is the time to stop and repent. That word scares people at times. Repent, the guy with the bullhorn. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what the word repent means? I've said it before. You're going this way. Hey, repent, JF. Okay, and now I'm going this way. It's all it is. It's, it's, It's turning your will. It's turning everything that you are over to Jesus and allowing him to lead you, to guide you, and most importantly, to restore you back to his father's original intention for you. Across this auditorium, would you bow your heads? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.